This is a GRDC podcast. For growers and their advisors, blackleg infection of the upper canopy of canola is a fairly recent evolution that Australian researchers are still, to some extent, coming to grips with. I was passing through Horsham at the beginning of April this year, 2019, so I took the opportunity to track down Steve Marcroft from Marcroft Pathology to talk to him about upper canopy infection. You, of course, will all know Steve is one of the go-to people for the science on blackleg and also sclerotinia in canola. So Steve took me down to a greenhouse where there were several plots containing well-developed canola plants that to me look quite healthy, but were part of a rather interesting blackleg experiment. This experiment we're doing is actually trying to generate our own blackleg populations so that we can do a range of experiments with them. So with blackleg, if you're using the asexual spores, which are the most virulent and cause most damage to plants, generally in a lot of experiments we can't use them because we don't know who the mother and father is. They're sexually reproducing. Every single spore is genetically different. So we never know what the population is going to be when we try and use them for an experiment. So what we've done with these plants is we've grown them out of the normal growing season when there's no other blackleg around and we've infected them with a mother and a father if you like isolates of blackleg so we know what they are and we're letting them sexually reproduce in these plants and we'll hope we'll harvest the blackleg that's in there and then we'll actually know exactly what the population is and then we can target that for actually doing particular experiments against different resistance genes in the plant and etc. So it's a kind of pure blackleg, you know it's history. Yeah, that's exactly right. So we know what cultivars the mother and father could attack and we've let them cross and then we'll be able to use the progeny from them to run some experiments which will be much more targeted than, rather than using a wild blackleg where we just don't know what it could possibly be. Okay, it's been a couple of years since you and I have talked about blackleg and things have kind of progressed along you seem to have a much clearer understanding of just what's happening to a plant particularly in terms of timing of flowering and that's effect on blackleg i guess in the last few years we've really seen that blackleg i guess not really evolved but it's changed to adapt to modern farming systems so as our farming systems have changed and the pathogen has changed as well and we think it's really due to a number of things one is because it's a stubble borne disease and our farming systems have obviously much much better at retaining stubble now you know inter-row sowing satellite guided tractors all this sort of thing has really retained that stubble and one of the things we've seen is that stubble's obviously surviving for a longer period in the farming system which allows the blackleg to survive with that stubble but one of the interesting things we've seen is that standing stubble actually gets colonized well not colonized it actually produces spores in the fruiting bodies a lot later in the growing season so stubble that's been knocked down is lying on the soil surface stays moist the pathogen of being a fungal disease likes moisture it starts growing and reproducing and releasing spores quite early in the growing season stubble that's left standing doesn't get that moisture stays dry and the whole process still occurs but just takes a lot longer so we're seeing spores being released later in the growing season rather than early in the growing season and that's attacking the upper canopy that's right so what we're seeing now is rather than the leaves getting all that leaf spotting which then grows down and causes a canker at the crown of the plant we're seeing a lot more of the flowers stem branches and pods actually getting blackleg on them directly from this potentially later maturing spores from the stubble. So that's one key reason but probably the main driving is the way that we're actually sowing our crops. So in the past 
growers would be aware they waited for a weed germination, they used a knockdown herbicide and then they sowed their crops and that was heading into late autumn, early winter, whereas now they're sowing their crops dry, into row sowing and then using herbicide technologies to control weeds in crop. We interviewed about 107 agronomists and we've seen the actual target sowing date not just coming forward a little bit early. We've seen most agronomists are now looking at 10 to 30 days earlier in the growing season that they're actually sowing their crops. And this has the effect that our crops are flowering a lot earlier. So if you consider the mid-winter period as the main infection period for blacklegs, so sort of late May to the end of July where it's wet, cold, you get that constant leaf wetness and that's the real infection period. In the past the crops were vegetative during that winter period and now as soon as they start becoming reproductive they start elongating buds forming flowers forming we're seeing that infection occurring on you know the reproductive parts of the plant which we never saw before man-made almost this type of infection yeah well uh, i mean the reality for us as an industry is that black lives on canola and it responds to the way we grow our crops i mean we've changed the way we've grown our crops and black consequently has changed and look and i don't think this is an issue just for canola i think it's an issue for all stubble-borne diseases and the way that any crop is managed you'll have different effects and therefore need different management strategies and i guess at this stage we're really trying to catch up with the disease because it's changed quite dramatically on us yeah you're with uh, what sort of management strategy are there to get on top of this? Yeah, so unfortunately most of our canola cultivars we've realised don't have any genetic resistance. So although we've done a brilliant job, or the breeders have done a brilliant job, at breeding for resistance to the crown canker, the traditional blackleg, what we've discovered is that crops or varieties which have good crown canker resistance don't have resistance to this upper canopy infection. Mm, So if you have a major gene resistance, which a few of our cultivars do, they have protection, but 90% of our crops actually don't have this protection. So we've then got to look at other ways of controlling the disease. Obviously the easiest way is to delay flowering. So get flowering back into that orchard's period. That probably solves 80% of the problem. But obviously growers don't want to do that. They want to sow early, they want to create that biomass and get that yield potential and there's fantastic reasons and rewards for doing that. So actually we think long term part of the solution is to actually breed cultivars which don't even have better resistance but needed like a vernalisation in the winter so you can still sow them early and yet they still won't flower until that August period so you can get all the advantages of all the early sowing get high yield still but then not flower in that winter period so that's certainly one perspective and the other perspective we found is that this upper canopy infection does respond really well to fungicides Mm. so fortunately for us the sclerotinia fungicides which are sprayed around that 30% bloom when we spray them we've been picking up some fantastic responses against upper canopy as well. Obviously it's a fungicide so it's going to attack different diseases. Yes, the DMIs and the STHI fungicides have been very, very successful at controlling upper canopy as well. So is that problem solved? Well, no, because um, unfortunately... (laughs) As if. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I mean, look, it's a fantastic tool and we've, you know, reliably getting 20% yield returns from these late fungicide applications and to me, I I think it's a real opportunity now for us actually to push our yields to that step higher. So, for instance, where we are now in Horsham, a lot of farmers will aim for that two tonnes per hectare and what we've seen is when we control this upper canopy we can push that yield up to like two and a half tonnes per hectare so some great opportunities there for the industry to to push that step higher but one of the limitations we get is obviously agronomists will ring and say you know should I put the fungicide on this year or not and unfortunately we we don't really know what the triggers are so we can't give them that advice we can tell them at the end of the year what happened whether they should have done it or not so a lot of the time I'm telling agronomists to leave an unsprayed strip and look at a yield monitor and see that if it was worth it so that's really where our research is headed now is to try and find those key triggers so that we can recognise the events which are causing those infections and then give farmers sort of you know advice on when or when not to apply these fungicides. That fungicide that you're talking about 
Is there any resistance there at all, or is, is that the new one that you're talking about? There's a couple of different classes of fungicides. So there's the old DMIs, which people will be aware of, things like Jockey and Prisaro, which have been absolutely fantastic products. And then there's a the new SCHI class of fungicides, which are really just coming in now. And there's been a couple of foliar SCHIs on the market already, and then we've just got the brand-new seed treatments coming in in 2020. So... We, my colleague Angela Vanderwell, have been screening populations for tolerance to these fungicides and we found, unfortunately, with the DMIs, there seems to be around about 20% of populations we've picked up which have got some tolerance to um, those DMI fungicides. But at the same time, those same populations, we haven't found any which have got any tolerance to the new fungicide. So any work we look at in the future, we've actually got a benchmark now. We can say, no, there was no actual tolerance, so if there is tolerance occurring, we know it's because of our management practices, I guess. Okay, the new one that's coming in next year that's a seed treatment is that problem solved? Yeah look the new seed treatments SDHIs from what we've seen they're going to be extremely good they've got a number of advantages a they've got much higher efficacy against blackleg much better blackleg control with them but on top of that the seed companies really like them too because they don't have any detrimental issues with the seed they don't reduce the hypercodal length like the DMIs did there's no seed storage issues either so seed companies don't have any issues with retaining seed from one year to the next which they did with the DMI so we actually think there's going to be a real step change with these new fungicides already going to be a fantastic product so potentially they could actually change the way we use our fungicides so for a grower say for instance with like an MR type resistance and an SCHCHC treatment there may be no need to come back with an early foliar like they would have currently so they actually might save that money on their early foliar and I think there's a great opportunity then to use that foliar rather than at the seedling stage to actually delay it and use it at 30% bloom stage where we know they're getting really big yield responses to the upper canopy infection. Okay, so the seed treatment is is there to protect the seedling, obviously, against the crown blackleg. Yeah, that's right. But the seed treatment won't have any effect on the upper canopy. So the plants are still totally susceptible at the upper canopy stage. And I think that's one of the reasons we see these big yield responses from the fungicides is, as I said before, there's no resistance. So the plants are completely susceptible at that um, 30% bloom stage. And so I guess if farmers have got a crop which is flowering in that winter period, in that July period, when it is rainy and the yield potential is there, I guess that's where we're really saying that it might be a good idea to apply a fungicide. Steve Marcroft from Marcroft Pathology. Now, don't forget the Blackleg and Sclerotinia apps that Steve has put together. They contain all the up-to-date information you'll ever need to know on those diseases to help you deal with them. As Steve said, upper canopy infection is a fairly new ball game, so the Blackleg CM app will help you stay ahead in that particular game.